Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to Micro Famous. We're talking about how to take your podcast to the next level. And it's a question that I get um, both from clients and from just friends of mine in the podcasting world. Uh, basically, you know, you have a podcast, you're in a rhythm, you're consistent, you have an established base of listeners, but you'd like to get more. Uh, and maybe you want your podcast to be your tip of the spear into the world, so to speak, your primary uh, outlet and the primary reason that people find you and you're looking for growth, right? You want your podcast to be uh, the first thing that people find so that they get into your world and you get kind of an avenue to reach new people that you wouldn't reach otherwise. So all perfectly reasonable and logical to me, um, but there are some things to consider and uh, I want to dive into six different ways to take your podcast to the next level, starting with some basic things um, and just parts of the microfamous system that you may forget that you're not implementing and then moving on to and beyond the microfamous system. If you're already at the point where you're making six or seven figures in your coaching, consulting, thought leadership business, and you want to use your podcast as a way to kind of jump out of the niche that you're in now into bigger niches or, you know, expand your brand, things like that, we'll finish with uh, things that are more geared towards that. So uh, this is my latest thinking on the topic. We're going to start with the uh, broad areas, you know, where you can look for growth. And we're going to start with the micro famous system itself. So the number one question I'd ask is, are you being featured as a guest on other podcasts in your space? And if so, how consistent is it? All right, because the more direct uh, path to podcast listeners is to just go where the listeners already are, the podcast that they're listening to. I think we got we get caught up a lot of times in, you know, thinking that the path to grow our podcast is through, let's say, more posts on social media or something like that, um, or you know, uh, emailing our list better or something like that. And then there's maybe some things that around the margins that you can tinker with that'll get you slightly better results. But you have to remember, about sixty percent of podcast growth comes from word of mouth. It comes from people telling others about the show. And a lot of those folks that you're trying to reach, if they're telling other people about the show, you're more likely to reach them by going to the podcast where they're already listening because you're essentially getting a trusted introduction to that audience from the podcast host who is featuring you. And then those people that hear you can talk about your podcast and you're reaching new people. So the most direct path to more podcast listeners is to go where the listeners already are and go get featured and interviewed on the podcast that they're already listening to. So if you're not consistent in pitching yourself, you know, ask yourself, okay, is there someone on the team, on your team who could be pitching you if they had the right training and templates? Uh, that was actually where the original idea uh, came for the program that eventually became the Micro Famous Fast Track. I created this module essentially first for myself and then for clients. And then I, I started, you know, to sell it. Uh, but it was essentially starting with, you know, how do I get someone trained to pitch me so that I'm not pitching myself? And how do I deliver that training? What's the system? You know, what kind of emails are we sending? What kind of research are they doing? Basically, I put that all into a training module. And then now anybody that pitches me, I can just send them through that module and they come out four weeks later trained as a podcast pitch assistant. And over time, I built that out and added to it and added to it and added to it. And that became the micro famous fast track, which now has a whole bunch of stuff in it for launching a podcast and all sorts of other things in it around the micro famous system. But it was originally built around that concept of just solving the problem that I had for myself. Uh, I knew that I wasn't going to pitch myself consistently enough to get featured consistently. I needed somebody doing it for me. And so I kind of documented that training and now I have it down. 
So now I don't, I don't do any cold pitching on podcasts myself. Uh, I have somebody on my team doing it for me. And so uh, I'm getting consistently featured two to four times a month. I'm on podcasts getting interviewed, not because I'm reaching out all the time. The only ones that I reach out to are the ones where there's a relationship involved, right? I know them or I know somebody that knows them or something like that. So I'm doing the warm reach outs, if anything, but any cold reach outs are all handled by my pitch assistant. So if you're not getting featured as a guest on other podcasts, in my view, you're missing out on the number one fundamental thing that you could and should be doing to build your own podcast, which is go where the podcast listeners already are. So if you're not doing that, tackle that before you tackle anything else. Now, we mentioned social media a little bit. That is the number two thing. Are you pulling out clips of your own podcast and your guest appearances on other people's podcasts? And are you pulling out chunks of that for social media? And if so, uh, are you paying anything to boost them to target audiences? Those could be cold or warm. So the content is already recorded. You know, you're already recording your own podcast. Maybe you're already getting featured on other shows. If, you, if you're going back and you've kind of followed that first step, you're getting featured consistently. Um, and clips by themselves, you know, don't set the world on fire with organic reach. So you might consider boosting them or running them as ads. So you can put them in front of existing warm audiences or, and even, you know, this is dicey, but you can potentially run, you know, clips from your podcast or podcast you've been featured on as an ad to cold audiences. And I would call that kind of a butterfly net ad strategy. And that's a whole other conversation, but essentially in a nutshell, butterfly net uh, ad strategy means you're putting something in front of the audience that really isn't asking them to do something. It's not an ad for a lead magnet. You're purely putting content in front of them that you think will catch their attention and get the right people to raise their hand and express interest and the kind of signal to you that they're the right kind of people and the wrong kind of people really aren't going to be interested. So if you can pull out clips like that, from your podcast or the shows that you've been on, and you can spend a little bit to put that in front of either a warm or a cold audience, you're gonna draw people closer to you. And if it's an excerpt from your own podcast, then you're directly paying to put your podcast in front of more people than would otherwise see it. If you're putting a, you know chunks of the podcast content in front of cold audience, you can attract the right kind of people and you can either from there drive them to subscribe to the podcast directly, or even better to opt into your email list to get your best content and episodes right away. That way you do have you know, some better tracking on the results of your ad spend. Uh, you know, one thing that I've noticed, and I don't know, you may have noticed this too, but you don't see a lot of the top, you know, you don't see a lot of podcasters putting ads in front of you to get you to listen to their podcast. So my guess is either they're doing it on a small scale or they found that it doesn't work compared to other ways of running ads. Uh, I don't know that that's always going to be the case though. You know, ad costs are going up. And if you're running, um, you know, if you're running ads with the intention of getting somebody into your email list uh, and you're trying to put a lead magnet in front of folks, that that's getting more and more expensive. So uh, it may be time to experiment with just putting some content in front of people that isn't asking for them to do anything so that they're more likely to kind of raise their hand and express interest in, in what you do by consuming your content. And then on the back end of that, you can make them a target audience and run some more specific ads to them that says, hey, here's something that I can offer you to get into my email list and I'd like to keep in touch with you. So I think we're, we might see that funnel start to extend where the people that used to just be able to put a lead magnet in front of somebody and get opt-ins for three bucks or five bucks, well, now those opt-ins are nine, 10, 11 bucks, 20 bucks, right? We might see those people start to put blog posts or podcast content on the front end without asking anybody to opt in and then only run their opt-in offers and lead magnet ads to those people that have already uh, they're essentially already warmed up. 
So if you're pulling clips out of your podcast and out of your guest appearances, that does give you more of that material where you can boost it and you can start building a kind of warmed up audience. And then you can run a second ad to them that offers a way to get into your email. So that's something to consider. That's step number two. Now, the third thing I'd look at in terms of your podcast growth is, is your email list growing? You know, if so, uh, if, could the podcast be incorporated better into your email nurture system or what some people call a follow-up or an autoresponder uh, so that when somebody does join your email list, they get exposed to the podcast quickly and they get the, the, the top episodes really, really fast. So let me, let me go through that again. So number one, like, is your email list growing? And that if, if it's not, that's a problem, right? But let's say even if the email list is growing, if your podcast isn't growing along with it, what that tells me is that the email list and the communication that people are getting in your emails is not doing a good job of putting your best foot forward using the podcast. So that's what I would focus on. So is your email list growing? If so, could you incorporate the podcast into the emails they get, especially in the first couple of weeks, so that the podcast is front and center. It's the centerpiece of your marketing so that when people join your email list, your podcast is the focus of what you want them to do. It's that's like the next step that you want them to take. Hey, go subscribe to the podcast. Here's one of my favorite episodes. Here's one of the most useful episodes. Um, here's the top episodes, what, however you want to phrase it. I would make sure that you incorporate the podcast into your email nurture or follow-up system so that when someone does join your email list, you're, you're putting your best foot forward and you're sending them from the email list to the podcast. Now, if your email list isn't growing by other means, that tells me you, you know, you're not visible, either you're not on social media promoting ways to get into your email list, you're not appearing on other podcasts as a guest, maybe you're not doing any speaking engagements, like something, like if your email list isn't growing organically, something is missing. Either you're not doing something that you could be doing, and I would say that the next step is to go back, back to the beginning of this episode where we talked about getting featured, on podcasts, making sure that you're appearing consistently, because that's the easiest way to reach podcast listeners directly, and then give them a compelling reason to go join your email list. That means that your email list will be growing, and then you can keep in touch with those people with new podcast episodes. So that's number three. Let's move to number four, which is industry PR. Now, this is kind of outside and when we get outside of the microfamous system. So the things that we've been talking about so far, like getting featured as a guest on other shows, pulling clips out, you know, making sure that your email list is growing and that you have kind of an email nurture system where it's using chunks of your podcast or, uh, or emails that are built around your podcast to get people converted into listeners. That's all part of the microfamous system. Now we're stepping out, assuming you have all those things in place. Now we're stepping and kind of going a level above that. So Number four is industry PR. Are you writing for trade magazines, online publications? Uh, are you giving speaking presentations, either in person or virtual? Are you doing webinars, masterminds, or other types of events that make you visible to new people? Uh, could you leverage your podcast and turn them into articles for industry blogs or other types of publications? You know, I used to write for Inman News, which is like the, you know, the standard industry trade publication in real estate. And what we would do is we would turn our Real Estate Uncensored episodes into articles for Inman News. And my co-host Greg still does that with different things he does with uh, another influencer in the space. Um, and we actually, in my agency work with clients, uh, one of our show notes templates is actually built for that easy repurposing because one of our clients got approved to write for Fortune magazine and he wanted to be able to turn his podcast episodes into articles really quickly. And so we, we created a show notes template specifically for that purpose. So from then on, all of his 
show episode templating off all of his show notes for his podcast episodes were built using that template. And he was able to easily turn them into articles that could be submitted to places like Fortune or Entrepreneur, Inc. Magazine, whatever. So if you can leverage your podcast into articles for, you know, trade magazines, online websites, online magazines, industry blogs, whatever, you know, take advantage of those opportunities because there is such a way to structure a show notes to make that process easy. There's also opportunities to create mastermind episodes with fellow influencers and podcast hosts. You know, so this is, I would say this is the next level up from just doing like a podcast exchange where they have you on their show and you have them on your show. Um, a mastermind episode uh, or you can do like virtual hot seats where you have two or three people on. This is where you create an event. And yes, you're going to release it on your podcast, but first it's an event. So this could be live, you know, it could be on Zoom behind the scenes. It could be, you know, um, several different things. But essentially what you want to do is go go one level up above just a podcast exchange and do a joint episode where you create an event out of it and you get some marketing because you're able to promote it before it takes place. And, you know, like the day it takes place if it's live. And then you also get to promote it after the fact when it's released as a podcast episode on your show. Uh, and if you do a mastermind episode, where it's kind of this unbranded conversation, well, then you and anyone else that's on the show that has a podcast can release that as a mastermind episode on their show as well. So if you have two or three other podcast hosts on your show at the same time, and you're all doing a mastermind around one topic, and everybody releases that episode on their show, well, that episode's going to get a lot more traction, and you're automatically going to reach more audiences than you would with your own show. So that's what I would say like a mastermind episode is. We just did this with a couple of our clients that host shows called Level Up and agent investor, we did a mastermind episode where the host of each of those shows got on and did one conversation and we were able to repackage and release it on both of their shows. So the same conversation served double duty and helped them reach each other's audiences. So the, those are some of the interesting and fun things that you can do on the industry public relations side, writing for trade magazines, industry blogs, giving speaking presentations, webinars, masterminds, whatever, leveraging your podcast into articles for industry blogs and other type of online publications, and then doing special kind of mastermind or virtual hot seat events with other influencers and then releasing them on your show as a podcast. So that's all the things that I would say kind of fall into that industry PR. There's a lot of really fun and interesting, cool ideas for things that you can do to generate more visibility and then lead people back to your show. Now let's look at co-marketing. And this is where I think the biggest leverage and the biggest opportunities are, but under very, very specific circumstances. So here's the ideal co-marketing relationship for a coach or a consultant. It's a uh, SaaS or a product company that has a big list, big audience, but it's bad at creating content and has no in-house thought leader. Right. So the idea of co-marketing relationship and I'm talking to a coach, consultant, speaker, trainer, business book, author, speaker, whatever. So you're the expert. The ideal co-marketing partner for you is a software or a product company that has a big email list, but they're bad at creating content and they have no thought leader you know, they, their CEO isn't out there speaking and writing books and doing all this stuff. So when I think of an in-house thought leader, Curator is a really good example of that. Their CEO, Chris Smith, is a thought leader in his own right. He's the author of two books. He's out there speaking. They've had multiple podcasts that are hosted in, by him and his co-founder. Like Curator has an in-house thought leader. So if I was in the real estate space, 
it doesn't make a lot of sense for a curator from their perspective to go pay someone to help them create content because they're already great at creating content and they have a thought leader on staff. It's their CEO. So what you would look for if you're in the real estate space and you're a thought leader in that space and you want a co-marketing partner, you'd want to go to the opposite of that. You'd want to find a software company that doesn't have someone at the top writing books and speaking. They're not good at creating content, but they have a big email list that they can expose you to right? That's what you're looking for. A company that produces poor or little content has no in-house thought leader who is visible and respected in your industry, but they do have a big email list or a social audience that you want to reach. So as a podcaster, what that allows you to do, if you find a company like that, it allows you to build a sponsorship package that pairs your content, a public endorsement from you, email and social, uh, social media promotion on your side, plus additional episodes that feature their leadership or their best clients, whatever, all in exchange for reaching their email list. Like that's the big, the big ask. And it's the big reward if you can find the right co-marketing partner. So whether money changes hands in this kind of partnership depends on the circumstances. And it definitely depends on whether they have a good email list. Cause, um, I mean, to, to my mind, if somebody is giving me access to their email list, that's a very valuable thing. If they're going to let me take the content that I've created and they're going to send it out to thousands or tens of thousands of people on their side, to me, that's, you know, I, have to, I recognize that they're taking a risk. They're endorsing me publicly and it's like a trusted introduction to thousands of people. I don't take that lightly. Uh, it might make sense to do a test kind of project to test the water where we do a couple of things, a couple of episodes or a couple of emails go to their list. And I want to see if the folks that they can send me from their email list are the right people for me. Now, if you're better at monetizing your list than they are monetizing theirs, um, so audience growth is more of a priority than sponsorship dollars, it might make sense to do the partnership without money even changing hands, right? Because if you're really good, once you get people into your list and you can monetize those relationships, you know, every, every hundred people that join your email list is, you know, 500 or five grand in revenue. Well, then, you know, you don't need a grand or a couple grand a month from a sponsorship company. What you really want is you want access to their email list because the more people that know about you, the more people buy from you. Like if that's your biggest challenge is just the visibility because you have the systems on the back end to convert people, you might go into a sponsorship or a co-marketing agreement and not even worry about money changing hands. It might just be a, hey, I'll hit my audience, you hit your audience, everybody's happy, everybody makes money, right? So that's the number five is the co-marketing strategy, finding a company that has those right things that we talked about so that they have act, they give you access basically to their big email list and you get to reach a whole bunch of people you'd never reach for free. And if it makes sense to both sides, maybe money changes hands. But just remember, if they've got a big email list, that's valuable. It may be so valuable that you don't even ask them for a traditional sponsorship, you look at it as a co-marketing agreement, which is why I called it co-marketing and not sponsorship. Um, my personal opinion is that for most coaches, consultants, you know, thought leader types, the people that I run with most of the time, a sponsorship is not their best option because they don't get huge downloads and people aren't going to pay uh, enough to make it worth your time as the coach or consultant to rotate out your calls to action and do all the work that's contained in doing a sponsorship if that sponsorship is just going to rotate out every three to six months. What you want is a long-term co-marketing relationship where you're marketing them to your list, they are marketing you to their list, and whether money changes hands or not, that's up to you guys and it depends on the structure and who benefits the most from the arrangement. But if they've got a big email list like a software company or a product company does, uh, I would 
would say the co-marketing relationship might be worth uh, no money changing hands just to reach those people and get them into your email list. So consider that. That's one of the biggest opportunities I see on the landscape today to grow a podcast and use it as the tip of the spear. And we're going to finish up with number six. This is a straight paid traffic strategy. And it's where you go directly to Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, whatever, and you run ads designed to grow your email list. We talked a little bit about earlier that I don't see a lot of people using paid ads to grow their podcast. Uh, I've had a Facebook ads uh, agency as a client. They experimented with it. They said, we don't see any difference and it's definitely not worth the money. So when when we talk about a paid traffic strategy, what you're really doing is you're, you're putting the email list front and center, but you're making the podcast the centerpiece of your email nurture system. So I'll give you an example. My email nurture system is six months of content and the content is built around my podcast and the content from the book, right? So you could start this with a very simple seven day autoresponder that gives them a top podcast episode every day and then drops them into your, you know, it's kind of your standard email list where they get your new episode every week. This is simple. It's effective. It gives you the option to expand that seven day autoresponder into a bigger email nurture system by adding just content like one email at a time. So this is it's slow growth at first, but paid traffic is the most scalable. If you find a set of ads that work to bring people into your email list and you do a good job of nurturing them with content based around your podcast, not only does your podcast grow, but you're generating leads and growing your most important marketing asset, which is your email list all at the same time. So this to me, beyond the co-marketing relationship, which can give you a huge, you know, access to a huge amount of people all in one chunk. The straight paid traffic strategy is the, the slowest, but it's also the one that's the most scalable and it's one of the one where you have the most control. So the first three points, just to sum up real quick, are basically the parts of the microfamous system that you might not be following that you want to make sure are in place. So that's getting featured consistently on other podcasts, pulling clips out of all your podcast content and potentially even paying to boost them to target audiences just to get more eyeballs on your podcast content. And number three, making sure that your email list is growing and incorporating it into your email follow-up system. That's all part of the microfamous system. Then we talked about industry PR and all the fun and interesting things you can do to just be more visible in your industry, piggybacking off of your podcast as the, as the centerpiece. And then we talked about co-marketing, right? Partnering with a company to reach their email list in exchange for you promoting them to your list. And then we finished up with straight paid traffic, grow the email list, nurture the email list with the podcast, period. That's the most scalable, but it's also the slowest. And there's a high uh, learning curve, steep learning curve on paid traffic and it's changing all the time. So whether you want to jump into that, that's a very serious decision to think about. To me, that's the next step up from the micro famous system is to do all the things in the micro famous system and then start paying to get people, the right people into your email list and nurturing them with the podcast and making the podcast the centerpiece of how you nurture people through email. So those are the six things that I think about when I, when I think about taking your podcast to the next level. I would love to hear your thoughts if there's anything you felt like I missed out on. Uh, if you want some examples uh, of any of those things that we talked about, I'm happy to share them. Reach out anytime. Just shoot me an email and uh, Matt at PursuingResults.com. You can reach me on Facebook. I think it's Facebook.com slash Microfamous. But let's finish up with this. If you have a podcast, there is always a way to take it to the next level. One or more of those things will work for you. It's a matter of experimenting. But I do want to encourage you to make sure that you have the micro famous system, which are the things that you can control, which are mostly organic. They don't, they don't require spending any money on ads or anything like that. Make sure all those things are in place first, because that's the thing that establishes influence 
right? Authority, visibility, and relationships, the three pillars of influence. The microfamous system establishes your influence in the space. What's interesting is that we're finding that all the people that had got by over the last few years with just running ads, guess what they're all doing? Starting podcasts. Because they realized that it was getting so expensive to just run ads to cold traffic and get them into their world. They were realizing that what was missing and what part of why those ads were so expensive was that they didn't have real influence in the space. And so when they put ads in front of people, they're like, who, who is this person? I don't know this, you know, this, this they're, just, they're just some random person running an ad to me. So they realized, okay, well, I have to go back and I have to build build my influence in the space so that when I run ads, people know me already. And so they're starting podcasts. If you have your micro famous system in place already, you don't have that issue. The right people in your space already know who you are because of your podcast, because of you getting interviewed on other shows, because of you taking chunks of all that out and putting it on social media, all those things that are part of the micro famous system, that's already built you a level of influence in your space. You're already visible. You're already linked with the other influencers in your space. You already have all the connections. Maybe you've done some speaking in the key events in your space and all that stuff, right? So if you do that first, that solves the problem of you being kind of this nobody that comes out of, uh, of nowhere, out of the wilderness and runs ads to people that they've never heard of you and they don't know anything about you. Nobody seems to know who you are, right? If you have the microfamous system in place first, you already have that home base of influence and you have that level of influence in your space. Then if you want to capitalize on that by doing those, you know, industry PR and co-marketing and even a straight paid traffic strategy, the microfamous system running that and having that as your foundation makes all that other stuff work a lot better. And it makes it worth it to experiment. So I encourage you to get those things in place first. Those are the things you have the absolute most control over. And that is a system that just runs and runs and runs and runs. It just keeps churning day in and day out, week in and week out. And the result that it churns out is influence, right? It makes you famously influential to the right people. And then from there, it's like a home base. And you can start experimenting with other things that have the potential for a lot of growth or scalable growth from there, like paid traffic and things like that. So that is my perspective on how to take your podcast to the next level. Thank you so much as always. Appreciate you listening. Appreciate the reviews and all the fun feedback. Uh, there was an email that I sent out here about a week ago um, and I got such amazing feedback, really, really thoughtful feedback on the questions, the really hard questions that coaches and consultants are asking themselves every day. And I got such great suggestions. I'm going to do a whole couple of series of podcast episodes about that. So be watching for that in the next month or so, because we've got some really great, thoughtful suggestions uh, of, of really gnarly questions that coaches and consultants deal with every day, the questions that keep us up at night. And I'm going to do a whole series of episodes about that. So watch out for that. Thank you so much. As always, we'll see you soon. 